is episode four. All right. No card. It's weird trying to figure out your podcast voice. <laughs> I don't know how to talk sometimes. <laughs> <You're going laughs> you know get, what I mean? You're going to get there. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's a process, but it's a great process. So, hell yeah. All right. So, in three, two. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode four of the Whatever We Want It To Be podcast. Today we are joined by longtime friend, host of the Peace Talk podcast, producer and comedian responsible for peace of mind, side A and side B. Is that accurate? Side A yes, and side B? and side C now. And side C. Is this all yeah. from one recording? No, it's from two or, recordings. Yep. Okay. Well, congratulations on the success. Reach number one on Amazon and iTunes, correct? Side yeah, B? Yeah, man. Uh, yes, yeah, yes. man. I appreciate it. For somebody who has been working in this industry for the amount of years you have, and like not like we've been Facebook friends, I mean, friends in real life, but I mean, with me traveling and you traveling and moving stuff through social media for well over a decade, and you're one of the people that has been nonstop working the entire time getting married three kids you know what i mean yeah, like yeah man <laughs> that so i just want to say from a friend and a fellow comedian congratulations on your success day peace everybody boy you better stop uh first <laughs> of all uh congrats to you and your beard okay like i remember uh here's here's what's dope you did my podcast and and this was right after you you were out and you were like so yeah. i'm gonna grow a beard and boom okay so yeah. congrats to you dude and, i found a barber uh, <laughs> I, get, I get it like straight edged <laughs> on the sides it's awesome man it's like everything i, I dreamed of it's everything i, love I dreamed it. of me I'm, I'm i'm also a little like jealous because i've been trying to grow my beard all pandemic and i can't <laughs> i can't do it it should it's not working so no man uh congrats to you uh i love you i appreciate you having me on congrats to you on the podcast too. and uh, I, I think what's really dope is that longevity, right? Like doing something for a long time and hopefully getting better at it, but more importantly, like oh, yeah. contributing, like putting shit out and, and just using them as stepping stones to where you want to get to. So that's, that's kind of what the albums have been about and they were hugely uh, successful, but, but a huge part of like where I am the comedy journey, like, Hey, I, I got a fucking number one, comedy album that was a uh, number one bestseller and shit like that so, so awesome man yeah. and so like seeing that and it's like one of those things especially when you're like discussing with your peers or watching your peers like do things and then you see it right fucking day man just yeah. did that shit right <laughs> and then it's motivating for other people like dude that work does pay off when did you move back do you, do you say like publicly where you live where you're from i don't yeah, want to put man. okay yeah, i'm a so I'm I'm currently in a small town, Lake Mills. I, so I, I would say kind of what you were alluding to a little bit, like I had to get comfortable with what I had. So like the 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 space that I was, the the moving back to Iowa, like there was there was something that had to click for me to be like, all right, this is my situation, and here's how I can make the best of it. So I've been back in Iowa for almost six years in a small town that's almost a little over two thousand people, and. Oh, okay. 
I was like, can I make fucking comedy? Oh, bro. Again, from Detroit to Minnesota to Arizona and back here, it's like, can I make comedy work here? And I, I've said this and I'll say it again, moving back to Iowa was by far the best thing to happen for me in my career. And it really challenged me to, you know, stop fucking around and, and you know, shit or get off the pot. And uh, oh, yeah. that that's I've been shitting on people. Okay. So it's been it's been <laughs> It's been a wild ride, but, uh, you know, glory to God, man. I've, I've been very blessed to to do this thing that we call, you know, comedy and, and love it. Yeah, good, man. It's good to hear. And if you're curious, man, okay. That was, that was, that was a little too long ago. So I was about to go right into, well, the demographics in Iowa are 85% white folks. So if you're listening, you probably can tell what this episode's about uh, do, do you, do, does it say the demographic of, of black people is it two percent four four okay yeah <laughs> i think so this is the... from 2000 this is from 2019 uh visualcapitalist.com it's got <laughs> the uh from the kaiser family foundation so i do talk about like a lot of facts on my podcast and i always say where it's from and then on my instagram i share every link that i used to do the research on the instagram because i want people like, if they think I'm wrong about something, I want them to look it up and then explain to me why I'm wrong so we can, like, discuss. Because I think a lot of things, and I'm, I think the way I am as a person, I'm going to do a lot of episodes that are kind of on some edges, like the gas price episode while everybody's pissed about gas prices. Uh, white on white crime, like this episode. <laughs> uh, just white criminals being discussed with a friend. I mean, fuck it. Fuck it. Episode four, fuck it. We're I love just it. Going. I love it. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah. a great, it's a great direction to go in. And more importantly, that's insanely thorough. Like my podcast essentially is just my opinion on, on a bunch of shit or just my experience, which is also beautiful. Yeah. Uh, important and valid. So, you know, the, especially the, when those opinions come from experience. Yeah. So I, the, the concept of, here's the thing about white on white crime. The, the concept is so hilarious to me that uh, here, here's how powerful racism is. Okay. Like, Racism created something that did not exist and then made everybody believe it for decades. And there are people that still believe it. So the, yeah. the myth of black on black crime, again, I mean, as a, as a, as a black person, I hate it, but as a comedian, I kind of applaud the genius <laughs> <laughs> behind racism because it's so, it's so smart and powerful and strategic and planned out so thoroughly where they're like, Hey, we're going to make it's embedded. Oh, it's yeah, taught. Correct, yeah. It is. It is constantly reminded. And and hey, we're gonna make. We're gonna we're gonna have everybody believe it. We're gonna get black people to believe it. I remember growing up, I believed it. Like I I really was under that that microscope of you know this is a thing. This is this is something that we've got to do better at. But then you blow that all out of the water when you start talking about white on white crime, and the concept of of any race on race crime is is ridiculous so it's yeah no. it's a complete asinine argument to make because there's never a point like there is it's, it's uh, i saw one and look and also real quick people are making up what's the fucking new they're making up phrases to call other people who try to even say anything against racism. I got called a virtue signal signaler. Do you know what a virtue what signaler is, is? No, I've never heard that before. I had, to, I had to look it up because somebody was like, wait, it'd be a virtue signaler. And I was like, what is that? So a virtue signaler is somebody who, say, speaks up publicly against racism. 
in order to just look good. So it'd be like, I'm against racism, but I'm only saying it around black people. So I look like one oh, of the good whites. You know what I mean? You. Okay. This dude said some racist shit. And I was like, whoa, that's racist. And they were like, whatever virtue signaler. And I was like, nah, bro, that's racist. <laughs> like that is, I'm pretty objective when I look at things. That's fucking racist. I'm not trying to stand out and look good because that's, so that's what pisses me off about that phrase virtue signaler is if if it's if somebody's going to go against what they think or their morals in order to have a group of people like them it would make more sense to go the other way considering 70% of the fucking country is white like you know what i mean it would be like that st- strategic yeah like somebody's <laughs> willing to do that like it's ugh. power in numbers okay <laughs> so, yeah no um, power of numbers from- exactly <laughs> like from, from my experience yeah. <laughs> sorry guys. from my experience with you uh no uh you so so i will say this that phrase is is very uh enlightening and i don't know if there's other phrases that that like people have used uh before that and probably after but it is a thing there are there are people of of all race that that try to you know pretend and cap like they try to pretend to be part of the cause and and the rallies and but behind closed doors here's how they really feel you yeah. uh, and we've been friends for a very long time. And and like you've always pointed out, like real friends, like not just comedian friends at a club that, you know, talk about jokes. Like we, we've yeah. shared stories. We've, we've, you know, lived life and we've watched each other fucking grow up over these yeah. last decade uh, plus. So no, nah, man, that's, that's, it's almost laughable. It's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> Hey, it's like black on black. It's, it's just, you got to laugh at that. So. Yeah, I got it. But yeah, like power numbers, but I don't know why I keep trying to, I'm trying to get really good at horribly transitioning into points. <laughs> it's like fun to do it shittily. Like you said, like power numbers, like the fact that 69.4% of crime in 2019 were committed by the Caucasians. That is total crimes, 69.4%. Yeah. Which makes sense because we're like that much of the country. You know what I mean? Like it's all even. This is what I learned doing this research. It's all fucking even. It's yeah. what it's supposed to be like mathematically. But yeah. it's crazy to me, man. Yeah, no, the, the again, I, I, I can only speak on, you know, my experience, but oh, and yeah. I love the fact that you have like the numbers and the statistics and, and maybe I could have done a better job researching. But, you know, the oh. breakdown is is very... It's 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 one of those things where we probably need to ask more questions than what we're asking because the big argument has always been you know percentage right it's like hey you know black people are killing black people at an alarming fast rate which is true like let's be honest like the yeah. the the concept of of crime and I know I, I went to killing but the the concept of crime is no that's so, perfect <laughs> yeah 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 it goes into the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> not perfect killing. for society or the human beings i do want to point out by no means because we are poking fun of the fact that it's just stupid to use racial demographics and crime to make any sort of point it's just stupid but at no point am i or we i can't speak for day but i don't think he is we're not making fun of the crimes themselves like that's the crimes the sexual assaults the murders the robberies the kidding you know what i mean stuff like, it's not funny that shit is not funny but with that said, the ways people skew numbers to make a horrible point is is funny. Like, is funny. Like, how off it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, uh, as I was I was saying, like, 
the, the conversation has always gone toward percentage. It's like, yeah, but but black people are killing each other at a higher percentage. And then the, the, the reason why I brought that all up is then you got to start asking the questions of the demographics and the system, you know, systematic racism that that exists that that still goes on. So, you know, you, you talk about uh, population, then you break down the uh, the neighborhoods, like where are these things happening? It's not happening in suburban. It's it's not really happening in the rural areas. It's happening in the inner cities. And and where do you find more more black people? And then you you also dissect, you know, the the poverty rates. And and so it's it's a it's one of those conversations that is it's one of those conversations where if 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 we're gonna talk about one thing, it's you know idiotic to not open up the whole thing. And, and this is what happens with, you know, white on white crime or just any of these little bullet point, you know, talking little, you know, news outlet, you know, let's, let's, let's get some viewers is they pull back yeah, that the sheet. Mate. Yeah. They click break. Yes. They pull back the sheet and share one piece that backs up their point, And then they completely forget about the other stuff. So it's, it's you a are- great conversation to have. Yeah, no, you are 100% right on that because of the research that I've done. And I mean, I'll, I'll kind of point it out as we go, but some articles say one thing and all they, they try to provide data links to go see it. So like the Daily Wire, I don't know if you're familiar with the Daily Wire, mm-hmm. but they're like a right wing, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And look, I don't judge any, I don't judge anybody on political affiliations. I judge how they act when representing those political affiliations so when it's a lot of anger and a lot of screaming i don't want to i just don't want to listen to that come at me in an actual conversation and we'll have a real conversation you know what i mean so even though this episode specifically would be skewed against the daily wire because of the bullshit they had the articles i found so they they, real article seven statistics you need to know about black on black crime that is from a news organization (laughs) right what's but the links in this article it says data, and then it's supposed to take you to like the analytics of what of they're course. saying. That's that makes uh, sense. Four oh four page error not found. Oh no! Right. Okay, so- what the <laughs> fuck? And, and this article will be on the Instagram page at www.itdpodcast on Instagram. <laughs> so either either one or two things happen, right? Either there was never a link, right? There was never like any real true source that they they did, or they did have some some something up. And it was either debunked or it was falsified, where they had yep. to had to take it out. So, however, the issue the, the issue with that with taking it out is they didn't update the article to reflect the information. Yeah. Still says what it's supposed to say. You know what I mean? That and it does say at the bottom of this article. This article has been updated. But why <laughs> would you then not change the information in the article to met? So here's another link on it. It's a. Uh, uh, the title of the sentence is the percentage of blacks arrested for crimes is consistent with police or whatever. And then it has a link to a 1985 study. Okay. When you click the link to a 1985 study, it brings you to another daily wire, wire article that says seven disgusting things Obama said while hijacking Memorial for slain Dallas police. What the <laughs> fuck daily wire? <laughs> like, bro. But again, you gotta applaud the genius, like, like because you know they're not, nobody's clicking the links, nobody's checking the information. Like, I w- yeah, I wish there was a statistic that that points out <laughs> all the clickbaits. Like my mother is is a prime example of she she comes to me with with news based off of headlines that she's read. That's it. Like she never like uh, it's you know it's 
it could be the Will Smith slap Chris Rock, right? And yeah. uh, the the headline could say uh, Jada got Will Smith to smack Chris Rock, and I'd be like, okay, uh, what did the article say? They're like, no, that was just the headline, so it happened. So like, she is a prime example of they just read the headline or they just read a couple of things and they're like, okay, this is all facts, and no, yeah. it's not. Yeah. So. I think a big part of that, and the, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, a big part of that, I think, is how fast we have come technologically and with social media, because you got to think, I mean, I'm 38 and I have a hard time keeping up. Like, I don't have a Twitter. I haven't learned how to use Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, I'm still kind of stuck in my ways. But for somebody that's older, that even when the Internet first started coming out, wasn't really that involved in it. Maybe, I mean, there are already adults with kids. Like, it wasn't like a new fad, maybe. Like, my mom wasn't about the Internet. But one thing people don't realize is every generation, especially nowadays, is the first generation to live in that type of society. Mm-hmm. Like we were the we were alive before social media and before the Internet. You know what I mean? So when you're not used to having all this information thrown in your face, whenever you see it, it's it, it's like, oh, my God, this is real. You know what I mean? It'd be hard to decipher, especially from the like older generations that maybe get stuck reading, say, just the Daily Wire and they don't expand what they're reading. Yeah, you just get that one opinion. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. no, it's it's first of all, it's 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 in my opinion, it's terrifying and da- and and dangerous, right? Because, uh, you know, you you take it back to school where we we were taught and we learned and we celebrate Columbus Day, just for an example. Yeah, and there is so much invested in this this story you know this 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 i can't say make-believe but uh i would i would i would dumb it down to the idea that it's it's not as accurate as as america wants to depict but they go through great lengths to teach it to 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 uh quote unquote research it but to make sure this is taught and and how do you do that? You get the youth, you get you get it in textbooks and you you get it into schools. So as you grow up, you it's hard to it's hard to say, hey, it's, person, this is not true. This is what really happened. This is who he was. He murdered, he killed, he pillaged, like genocide. Like it's hard for you to now be like, you know what, I think you have a point. And when it comes to the internet and all of this quote unquote information, there's a lot of information out there. But there's yeah. not a lot of facts and there's not, there's not a lot of knowledge, right? You have to now cipher through, you know, an internet that is the concept of a textbook. They have all this information that they want you to believe and want you to read and learn, but you got to now cipher, no, this, this is true. This really happened. That didn't. And, you know, we don't live that fast. Like it's always quick, 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 quick. Yeah. I don't know if you realize this, but you actually just described the cover art that my buddy did for the for the podcast for this podcast. It's me sitting in a chair with a big ass book that says the Internet. You are <laughs> interesting, but mostly pointless. Mm, <laughs> the, mm. But that's how I'm looking at. It. So this whole. Oh, no, no, no I, I saw I saw it. I saw it. Yeah. So this whole <laughs> this whole podcast, this is the concept of it is I I want it to be interactive. And I know if you're listening to this and you already listened to the other ones, you've heard me say this, but I want it to be people that are interested in learning just random things that I would never think about to actually contact me. And then I'll do all the research for them. And then I'll break it down. That's why I'm so big on sharing the links that I use so people could follow along. And if somebody likes, there might be some researcher out there that I'm completely fucking up the way I'm going about it. And they could hit me up at a 
whatever we want it to be podcast at gmail.com. Feel free <laughs> to send in your information. I'm sending nothing but dick pics. I'm just going to yeah. send a bunch of random. I'll do. I'll research <laughs> dick pics and find out when they started. That shit might yeah. have been from like 1812. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to sketch a dick for you, Mel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's funny. So, <laughs> no, that's good. So yeah, so we'll we'll go through some uh, some stats on this, but the the and I, I told you before we started recording, but the main focus is going to be the last two stories. But we were talking about moving because I moved a lot. I know you moved comedy scenes, uh, kind of switching gears and like we don't oh the whole episode doesn't have to be race related, but it also can be. So I'm going to try to steer it back. But I mean, whatever we whatever we decide we want to talk about, that is completely fine. I'm going to make sure race is a part of everything I say. Okay. Like, <laughs> I was, I was, this is real quick. It's not a short story, but uh, I want to, I want to kind of get this in there. Uh, So I just recently was in front of the most people that I've ever been in front of. Uh, It was, it, so it was supposed to be like 20 to 30,000 people. I think we probably maxed, I think we probably maxed at 15, but if I can be honest with you, I think we were closer to 10 to 12,000 people. We, the Iowa has this, Thing called rag ride which is this registered annual great bike ride across america where they basically ride from one point to another point it's a seven-day thing and in the mid point they stopped at the close local town that i do that i do shows at it's about 25 miles away about 45 minutes away and it's about a, a town of thirty thousand. when they stopped over they did this like we're going to throw all of our money into uh, this big concert because Rag Bright essentially is cyclists getting on bikes, driving to, to towns, partying, drinking beer, then waking up in the next day and, and riding to another town. We had the midway point and they spent money and got uh, former lead guitarist Don Felder, who was with the Eagles and the 90s band, right. the 90s band Sugar Ray. Uh, they both did a great concert. And I had the opportunity to to be the MC for the main stage. And uh, dude, that's awesome, man. Dope, dope opportunity, great exposure. And uh, again, just be in front of that many people. And I did a little bit of a set at the beginning and my set got cut like right before I walked on stage. So I was like, hey, I'm supposed to do like, uh, I think I had like a 30 minute set that got broke down to a 20 minute set. Then it was like pretty much 10 minutes. So I'm cutting my set and I realized everything that pretty much got left in was all race. Okay. So like most of, <laughs> most of the bits that I'm doing is, you know, uh, one of six black guys in Iowa and my wife is white, like crystal meth and just a bunch of that stuff. Just, <laughs> and then uh, there white was a, vaginas, the subway. Of the- <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't do that one, but cause I was keeping it PG 13, but, but, but yeah, like a cleaner version of all of that. And there was a lady sitting next to my wife who didn't know who my wife was at the time. It's like, can you really say these things and talk about this? There's way more black people in Iowa than that. And, uh, then my wife introduced herself like, yeah, that's my husband. That's why I'm here. And she had like one of those faces. Uh, and to go a little bit further, I remember talking to people after the show and this one lady got super, super drunk and she started saying a bunch of stereotypes because they fed us ribs. At oh, the, yeah. They 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 uh they fed us ribs at the VIP and they were like all right I know you guys love you guys I know you guys love ribs so much and then you know I, I let that every one... stereotypical <laughs> yeah. 
I let that one go. And then it, it just got worse. And then, you know, she started talking about watermelon and chicken. And Jesus there was a Christ. moment, there was a moment where, you know, I looked at my wife and we politely exited the conversation, but there was a moment where I was like, I'm glad I did a bunch of race stuff. There's a conversation that sometimes I have with myself is, is this too much? And at the end of the day, it's, it's not enough. So yeah, good for you. I have, so, well, I guess it's not really the same because you're in Iowa, but so I'm, I live in Hampton, Virginia, uh, demographics, completely different from a lot of places where it's a, uh, I am the actual minority, 40% white, 50% African-American. But so I always had rules because I do do race jokes, uh, racial jokes. And I do want to point out the fact and something you just said, actually, I've been noticing a lot is white people calling out racism when it's not at all racist like as soon as race is mentioned so i was doing a show at the outer banks in north carolina it was like three weeks ago uh uh hosting the producer and the headliner were black dudes and then i was white dude feature in the middle uh and i don't want i'm not going to burn my man's jokes you know what i mean but it was about white people not even that bad it was a funny joke and then just dude in the audience well that's racist and it's like, no, man, it's racial. I had a really good conversation a couple months ago in Richmond, uh, basically a black room. I was the only white comic, uh, only white person in the audience. One of those things that just happened, you know, it happens in Virginia, it's fine. But we we're having a conversation <laughs> about how many people think that way, where it's like, no, you can, you can talk about race and it's not racist. You can, you can make racial jokes and it's not racist. I had one of my friends who had been, who has been to multiple shows ask me, uh, are you doing your racist jokes? And I was like, I've never written a racist <laughs> joke. <laughs> like, but, but I, I, so I've always had a rule <laughs> and I learned this in Arizona. Is, is it race A, race B? Like what level of yeah. racist is it? Yeah. I was like, damn, man. Like, I'm not talking about anything bad, but I learned in Arizona. I forgot who said it was a, it was a more known comedian at the time. I forgot who it was. But it was like uh, it was like three black dudes in the audience, and they were getting up to leave. It was like one of the outside shows in downtown Phoenix, like by all the art stuff. It was like fun, but it was like three black dudes, only three black dudes in the audience. They're getting up to leave, and the dude was like, "Hold up, please don't leave. Can you just let me do my race jokes? Because I can't say them if you're not here." And I was like, "Oh, so representation in the audience." And I was like, "Yeah, it makes sense that that would matter to the comedian. You don't want a bunch of a room just white people saying black jokes. You know what I mean?" Mm -hmm. So I've always had the rule. It's like a thirty percent rule. Or at least more than one table, because I don't want everybody. I noticed this in Vegas last time I was doing shows in Vegas, because it's kind of like Arizona. It's not a shit ton of black people. Mm -hmm. Was every time I said a race joke, every white head would turn and look at the black people to see how they were reacting before they reacted. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. so I've always had that rule of there needs to be some representation before I'll talk about it. But luckily in Hampton, Virginia, it's usually 100% black. So I don't <laughs> gotta worry about it. You know, that's, that's, uh, so where I am on my comedy journey right now is, is having a lot of those conversations in my head and basically saying, should I say this shit right now? And yeah. again, more times than not, I'm like, I'm very glad I said it. And, and, and I think there's a responsibility uh, as a comedian or as an artist to understand the power that we, that we do have. And so, you know, representation obviously matters and we, we talk about it, but to actually, um, live it is, is another thing. So when you have that opportunity to talk about certain things that may be uncomfortable, whether it yeah. is race related or, or other things, I, I remember starting a show uh, a couple of weeks ago 
And I, you know, I started off with a joke and for whatever reason, I started talking about women's reproductive rights and how, uh, how disrespectful it is for white women to compare what's happening right now to the hands mate tale, which is something that had been going on for a while and memes because uh, native women and, and, and black women and, and minority women have been living a very tragic, uh, you know, they have a very tragic connection to how their their rights have been as far as their history in this country in the middle of jokes like so like i remember i remember talking about this very serious shit and like all right i'll get back to the dick jokes in just a second but there's something about i think it's super important that we 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 do these things especially when we have the opportunity to do it yeah especially when it's real like that so and and to that point about just talking about shit that you're you're questioning whether you should in june of 2020 Right. So this is COVID still fairly new and the uh, Floyd protests. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I got hired uh, by comedy club in Richmond to do a show outside of the golf course. Very nice golf course, man. This neighborhood was one of the, one of the nicest neighborhoods I've ever seen. So my wife and I go and it was maybe 30 people in the audience. It was all black people, one white woman. And in my head, I'm like, okay, no race jokes. Now's not the time. No race jokes. Now's not the time. They don't need to hear this shit middle of the middle of the protest like they don't need to hear this shit fucking muscle memory kicks in man and oh my god dude i leaned right in on accident on accident but it came out and i kind of paused and one, the biggest dude there was like crying laughing nobody else was laughing except him and i was like <laughs> i was like well here we go <laughs> like into the mic and i was and I've never done this before or since. And I said, I said, I am going to talk about race, but I, I need y'all to know it comes from a place of love. You know what I mean? And then I did my race jokes and everybody, when that shit was over, was dapping me up like, oh my, and I was like, whoo, like that shit was, was scary, man. You know, kudos to you. I remember you telling me that story. And I think that's, oh, that's a, that's a dope, that's a dope damn, thing. I did say that to you that's on your we, podcast, but you, episode but you number 72 <laughs> of the Peace Talk podcast. But if anybody wants you, to check it out. Okay, it's good that you do here. it. It's good that you do it here because what 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 I experienced with what was starting a podcast for me was was kind of connecting to a different fan base or or supporters, right? Because yeah. you got people that will come to shows or don't come to shows, buy merch, don't buy you, whatever. But then you you find a new you know section of people that will listen to you talk or banter or rattle facts or whatever it is. And they're like, yes, I want more. And sometimes yeah. they don't hear all of these stories um, that you may have said on stage somewhere, or you may have told in a you know circle or green room. And then they get to kind of witness this fly on the wall moment where they're like, yes. okay, I, I've learned something new about Corey that I didn't fucking know. So yeah. Man, I, I'm glad you said that. Cause I thought one of my big, so my first few episodes, and I mean, from here on out as well, but I can hear when I was editing, making mistakes. But I didn't want to edit them out. I wanted to get comfortable making the mistakes because I want authenticity in the show. You know what I mean? I don't want it to be this perfectly, perfectly edited and just the speech patterns are the same. Like I want it to be a real. One of my friends hit me up and they're like, one of the episodes I recorded by myself and it was like, we're, we're so we were stationed in New Mexico together, England together. We we're in Afghanistan together. And they're like, uh, just hearing you just go on a rant like that was just like being in the living room with you, like having a beer and bullshit. And I was like, oh, shit, cool, man. That's what I'm going for. Yes. Oh, yes. I, I did want to say uh, on your on side B of peace of mind, you had the, the pop them, don't beat them. Like talking about the kids, <laughs> pop, pop them, 
I have been having these conversations about hitting kids and beating kids and how I was like, <laughs> I was like, and I said the same shit. Like, it, like, I'm not talking about a pop, like a pop, like a pop upside the head's cool. Like, but people just want to beat their kids, especially <laughs> white people coming in at 65 point, 65.8% of the arrests for offenses against the family and children. <laughs> Uh, real, <laughs> so stupid. Real, uh, real quick, two point out though. <clears throat> all these stats and the stats that you're going by a lot if you're quoting black on black crime, you are quoting uh, arrest stats, not necessarily conviction stats. Mm. That's a big difference. Mm. And I tried to find, I tried to find conviction rates, and it was not. So I did find these fucking articles that are going to take me about seven months to figure out what all the charts mean, but I am still looking into it to get on a more depth appreciation of everything. But mm -hmm. I do think that is a, a, an important thing to remember is arrest versus conviction is two different things. Yeah, it, I mean? it, it very much is. But like, like I was bringing up the point earlier, then you got to ask more questions because Correct. You know, th there, there is a, there is a variance of conviction rates, but you know, why, you know, why, why can we, do the same crimes but have different outcomes or different sentencing. So it's 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 a it's a deep it's a deep fucking black hole of of you know injustice that like I said I don't think we want to pull everything back. We just want to take glimpses that shit that makes us feel yeah. comfortable or that makes us feel like we know what we're talking about or at the very least that supports our our beliefs or what we were taught because again you can't I mean, we're, we're, you know, mid 30, late, fuck, we're late thirties. I don't know why I said mid thirties yeah. earlier. We're late thirties. <laughs> I'll, I'll let it slide. I was just like, yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to pretend I'm mid thirties for the next fucking but, hour. But you, you cannot, you cannot tell me that racism is not taught, right? Because oh yeah, the, the idea that any child that is born is born with hate in their heart is, is, is unfathomable. Like I, I don't, I don't get that. So all of these things that we're talking about, especially this 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 myth of black on black crime or the the concept of white on white crime, these are taught. And then, like I said, you got to ask more questions. Why? Why do we? Yeah. Why do we have these terms? Why are these things used as bullet points and talking points when making you know certain media propaganda points? So, I just wanted to make and sure I added that. Do no, along with that point. You also, and I, and I, and I did start, I haven't found so much into why certain years are used. So one of the big uh, stat breakdowns with black on black crime that gets quoted is from the years 1980 to 2008, just those years. I, I found an actual like professional paper written on uh, <laughs> racial, not just black people, racial demographics, and, but it was from 1980 to 2008. And <clears throat> One of the memes that, and uh, I'll have it on the Instagram if you guys want to see it, but it's a bullshit ass meme with bullshit stats. And in it, in it, the worst of it says, uh, Black people killing Black people is 97%, and white people killing white people was 16%. So that's from the year 1980 to 2008. <laughs> so wildly inaccurate. So, like, white people killing white people at 16%, the actual number is 84%. So if you were a white person that got killed, you had an 84% chance it was by a white person. If you were a black person that was killed, it was a 93% chance you're a black person. And every year, so they did, so that was specifically to combat one of the other arguments, the 1980 to 2008. But then <clears throat> when you go 
So another viral shit was the bar graph that I showed you earlier. And we don't we don't need a <laughs> shit, man. Kind of jumped in it. Whatever, fuck it. We'll just go, 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 go with it. So hey, this bar here. graph, this bar graph that I have printed out in front of me <laughs> is from 2013. And this is one of the things that got shared specifically uh to just start talking about fucking black on black crime. So I'm trying to find it on my computer. Yeah, no, anyway, we, we into the, me. we're into the thick of it now. Like, yeah, we're just, we're just gonna. I was gonna do bullshit. I mean, I was gonna just. We'll still tell. Look, fucking white people lead crimes in almost every category. Okay, like fuck, man. But it, like, it makes sense that we do. So, the, oh, that's the main point. As we go through these uh, stati- statistics with white on white murder rates and black on black murder rates and all that stuff, every year, the uh, white on white, black on black is within ten percent of each other. And vice versa, white people getting killed by black people, black people getting killed by white people is low. And also within eight or nine, it's like 8% uh, white people come black and then 16, whatever it is. And we'll mm-hmm. go through it when, when you get it. But it's all bullshit is what I'm saying. And this, this bar graph, so these are the percentages that it shows, is white people getting killed by black people at 9.8%. So this is for the year 2013. All right. Black people killed by white people at 0.7%. 0.7, which is not accurate. Uh, white getting killed by white, 10%. Blacks getting killed by blacks, 53%. All of the numbers are false. Okay. I, the now, ac- is this okay. is it possible? And I'm just being fucking, uh, what do you call it? Devil, devil's advocate? I'm, is it possible this was specifically to a town or a region? And maybe that's that's why they came up with this. It, it sounds insanely like inaccurate and crazy but maybe someone was like hey it's, again i live in a small town of two thousand people maybe they took a study from here it was like you know it's it's four black people and one of them died you know so yeah. it's like 97 percent. so I, I will say i appreciate the devil's advocacy for that but the title of this bar graph is murder <laughs> Is murder of blacks and whites in the U.S. 2013 per one million members of the murderer's race? You know what? I'm sure there's so some guys valid like- question. It's a valid question. So, and the source they have the source, and this is again when you got to start looking at the sources of the information. So, this is from a, a Facebook post from fucking somebody. I don't know. But they referenced the 2013 FBI crime report statistics. Okay. Guess what that means? We can also access the FBI crime report statistics in the year 2013. <laughs> so these are the correct numbers. And I'll, and I'll explain how the fake numbers got, because I found the article that explains what oh, the bullshit okay. people did on how they got it wrong. Okay. So the graph that was shared. Oh, nope. The first, the first uh, table I said, uh, so this is uh, not the same as the bar graph, but more bullshit. Uh, wh- white people killing blacks, 2%. Police killing whites, 3%. It, it goes on. Uh, same here. Whites killing whites, 16%. Blacks killing white, 81%. It's all bullshit either way. So this one is a different. It's not the same as the bar graph, but it's still skewed numbers. This one doesn't even say what year it's from, where it's from, where the information came from. It says nothing. But this bullshit ass <laughs> post got shared 772 times. Like that much bullshit is just, I will say though, it comes from a Facebook page. I support law enforcement officers from 2020, September 28th. 
the the first few comments I read, they're shitting on the person that posted this. Like this is complete bullshit. Everybody knows this isn't real. So good for them. Good for them on that. But this bar graph that got shared, white people getting killed by black people says 9.8%. Uh, it's actually 13%. So it is a little higher because their numbers are off. However, black people getting killed by white people, it says 0.7%. That's not even a point, All right. sir. It is 7.5%. They just moved the decimal. <laughs> yeah. So white people getting killed by white people, this says 10%. That is inaccurate. It is 83%. 83 And God damn it, we're going over the math because I had to learn how to do some fucking math today. And then uh, black people getting killed by black people, 90%. So again, the white people and the black people, intra-racial is what all the articles are saying. It is intra, a lot of crime is because like you were saying earlier, it happens in the communities in which there's a lot of that one race. So obviously whoever has the most of that race is going to be right. the number of most criminals. Mm -hmm. So what the original people that did this bar graph did, and this is according to USA Today. Now, I know what people are thinking, okay? USA Today leans a little bit left. And you know what? You're absolutely right. They do. I looked it up on allsides.com. They do lean a little bit left. But that doesn't matter because they have the links to the information that they're stating, <laughs> which then you can fucking look and figure it out, okay? And I will say uh, that was for... I'm, fucking up the flow already but that so the usa today is for the chart not the bar graph the bar graph is on rooters.com which i also checked on all sides and they are dead ass centered okay so they're not bullshitting you with statistics <clears throat> all right so with the usa today usa today jesus christ article they uh hold on might have a little blank spot here <laughs> just fucking edit it out that's right now yeah. i'll do i'll do some jokes in between you let me yeah. know hey can, so, I, can i say as, i think it's dope that you listen to the album like when you oh, talk yeah, about the, when you talk about the bits i'm like that i appreciate that yeah man all right i've refreshed myself today to be honest but no, I, no you're yeah you're good no, i listened and i bought it and i paid for Thank it you. i wasn't like hey friend what's up with the hookup because that's not what you do people you buy your <laughs> friends fucking material and goddamn work no, I, I I very much appreciate it. That's 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 the only way the album makes it to number one is from the pre-order sales. So like when you're trying oh, really? to support, yeah, when you're trying to support an artist or anything like that, um, doing doing those things that that require us to dig in our wallets uh, is is one of the better ways to go about it. But like like you were saying, like you said, one of the the titles, I I, I did one of the I was doing some. I was on somebody's podcast and they were just rattling off the titles of the, the tracks. And so I was like, you didn't really listen to it. That's fine. I don't, it's not a big deal. But when you talk yeah. about popping the baby, I'm like, yeah, you got to yeah. go into that track to hear that. I wrote, <laughs> when I heard it today, I wrote down, pop them, don't beat them because I specifically <laughs> said that. And I appreciate you filling that time. While I found this. <laughs> so, so the bar graph, how they got it. So incorrect. Hmm. Okay, so Reuters hired two statisticians to do this, Dr. Nuzo and Dr. Mensch from the American Statistical Association to ask them, like, how are these numbers so off? So Reuters themselves uh, said that working backwards to reconstruct how they got the numbers so wrong, 
they found the creator of the bar graph assumed that the white population of the U.S. was about 245 million in, two, in 2013, and the black population was about 42 million. All right. So then the creator took all the raw data from the charts that we looked at and either divided it by 245 mm-hmm. for the white people or divided it by 42 for the black people, which you cannot fucking do when you're doing statistics. Uh, one of the doctors even says uh, the thing first and foremost that jumps out is that the different columns are being standardized in different ways on the same chart. Mm. Right. So when you have a chart, it has to be all of the information for all of the things. You can't do different math and then say yeah. this is accurate. Right. Right. So that is why if you share this bar graph, hey, I want to tell you all something real quick. OK, <laughs> if, you, if you hey, we all went a little far. All right. We all got a little crazy from 2016 to 2022 it's cool to just take a step back man like it's cool <laughs> not not shitting on you because look it's scary man i know the news is good at scaring people but it's time to stop with the false shit and the lies like it's just like, like nobody would ever look at that and be like oh yeah i'm sure white people only did 0.7 percent of the murders you know what i mean no in fact every year white people are the largest murderers on the goddamn planet so okay i don't want to say planet in the u.s in the yeah. U.S. In the- <laughs> I take it seriously to not say anything incorrectly. So if I say so even jokingly, I'll fucking let me know gotcha. before somebody tries to get pissed. No, they, I, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised why people don't have like they didn't become rappers because y'all got a lot of bodies. Okay, y'all got, <laughs> I got a lot of uh, gangster rappers. <laughs> yeah, y'all, my dad was my lawyer, so I got <laughs> off. <laughs> White, yeah, white people would probably make way better rappers, like because it'd be very accurate. Like I, over the years, I've thought about it, <laughs> I'm trying, not in a serious way, but I love I love rap music and the hip hop culture. Like yes. I, I saw I, the United Kingdom B Boy Championship when I was stationed in England. I saw Jazzy Jeff in Cambridge. Uh, Jazzy Jeff, by the way, live is fucking insane. But you know what yeah. I mean? Like I, I've loved the hip hop culture for most of my life. I, I must I must mention for those who probably don't know this uh, in the early, you know, going back a couple of years ago when we were both in Arizona right before you left, there was a, a show that got kicked off this very fun show, uh, which was the, the roast battles. Oh, the snap battles. The snap battles. Yeah. Snap it's battles, con- yeah. It's concept of the roast battles where you have two comics that go at it, you know, each other and you say snaps and roasts and. You know, it's the concept of your mama jokes, but, you know, more personal and, and clever. And you were the first person to rap your snap <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. And uh, because of uh. that, in your honor, I was the second person and last to do the same. <laughs> oh, bro. I forgot against Sierra. I love Sierra. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. She had... Uh, she told me, I think I talked about it on yours already. Did we talk about the snap battle? No, on yours? no we didn't. Oh, okay. I just, okay. I, you brought it, we were talking about rap. And so that memory. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I couldn't comprehend. Cause like roast battles, like weren't really on TV back then. Like how they were. I mean, they had roasts, but they didn't have like Jeff Ross's roast battles. Right. Right. So you only understand the concept of what's in your head. And I have spent years literally, like I watch rap battles. I don't so much anymore because nobody will ever watch it with me. But <laughs> I've gone through two marriages of asking my spouse to watch goddamn rap battles with me. It's usually when I drink vodka around two in the morning when they're tired. 
I but so it. when we did that, I the, the concept of saying the insults didn't make. I mean, now I mean, shit, I was a roast battle champion of the Virginia Beach Funny Bone a couple of years ago. You know, yeah. I mean, I figured it out. I figured it out. I and my guest, <laughs> dude, my guest tomorrow that's coming to record is the only person who I have not beat in the roast battles in Virginia. Ooh. He's beat me twice. He beat me twice, man. He's a current champion, but me and him were in the finals last time, and it was very good. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah no, roast, I, do, do you do roast battles out there? No, is that a thing I, in Iowa? It's it's not, but uh, I do love I do love a great uh, like birthday roast or where you get together. Um, <laughs> I did a birthday roast for for myself this year, and my mother participated and my mother had never been on stage oh it's in the bit but she yeah she, i heard she go- it but, but please talk about it yeah i would love to yeah she 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 goes in on me for like a good five minutes and it's <laughs> it's hysterical and uh i put it on youtube and like it's like one of those things where like i love that rose battles are too fast for me like i, I feel like uh yeah. it's like a sparring where i just want to say one thing great and then that's what happened like you did you did the battle i'm like i'm gonna rap too because in my mind, and maybe you had the same idea, it was a drop the mic thing. It was like, I'm going to say some yeah. dope-ass shit, drop the mic. How can you follow me? And I was going against Jamie Kamire, who uh, had all jokes and and just destroyed me. I, it was so like, it was a first-round knockout, okay? <laughs> like, it was it was just one of those moments I wanted to bring up because we were talking about rap, so. I, rem- I remember Sierra told me, oh, I, I, I said this on my buddy's podcast. That's why I was in my head. So I do have a lot of tattoos and a lot of my tattoos are words. And she, it was the, it was, it was the casket closer. I think she said, uh, she said, all of your tattoos are words. Somebody else wrote your whole, uh, your whole body is basically a Nicki Minaj album. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. Uh, Those, those, those as, as a comedian, and this is is a serious question because I wrote it down because I wanted to ask you. Can you think of a moment or series of moments that led to the largest growth for you as a comedian? Oh, um, feel free to think about that. Well, I let you all know that white people are responsible for 81.5% of the DUIs in America. And that is from the goddamn FBI. But you guys keep wanting to fucking talk about as well. Sorry for cussing so much. I, I fumbled through my papers and it made me cuss in real life. Uh, 81.5% of the DUIs guys, uh, we have Ubers. This is from 2019. That's the 2019 statistics, uh, use Ubers while, uh, Dave thinks about huge growth moments as a comedian. Yeah, no, I, I, there's a, there's a couple, but, uh, two specifically, uh, that stand out the most is when I had my first child, because that, that was probably the, the first turn, you know, like we, we call it turn of the corner. That was the first time where I started uh, having real substance or, you know, at least I felt like up until that point, I was just saying a bunch of funny things on stage. And then I had a child and it was something about, you know, the responsibility of a father that was very new to me and legacy. And, you know, I want to be a better man for him, shit like that. So I started incorporating him into my um, my bits. And I think that that was for me when I was like, okay. Now I can start making what I'm talking about a little bit more relatable than what it was. The second was was more recent, and you you already brought it up was uh, when George Floyd was murdered, and there was something that happened to me when I moved out here in 2016. Uh, I, I was very depressed, and so I was like, "How can I make comedy work?" 
2017 yeah. came and I I remember from from most of 2017 and a lot of 2018 I was just recycling what I had been doing in Arizona for the last several years. It was just like, hey, nobody knows it out yeah. here. Let me do it out here. And then 2019, you know, I started writing more and things started to pick up. 2020 happened. I recorded my first album and then the world shut down. And then George Floyd was murdered. And the reason why that that's that's so uh, like a pinnacle moment is one, I took my Otis, my now Otis, to uh, a protest, a rally when that happened. Uh, my Otis has seen the video. And I, I think I shared that with you maybe when you were on my episode. And the reason why all of that was 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 a turning point for me in comedy was I remember getting out here and I was like, can I talk about the shit that I want to talk about? Um, can I can I walk the line of race and and can I make people comfortable and like I I just remember being in my head way too much. And after that happened, I was like, here's how I feel about some shit and here's what I want to talk about and here's how I'm going to intertwine my jokes in between saying some real important shit. So it was 2020 for me. And again, the world was shut down. So I was only doing like one show a month. So, I mean, yeah. I, I oh, believe I, yeah. in, in 2020, I probably did, I mean, 12 shows, maybe, maybe at, at the, at the most. And I remember coming into the next year, like, Hey, the world almost shut down. This shit can be taken from us so easy go at it and go hard and that led me into this this year where it's just been non-stop so i i credit my first child and just having children and and having like relatable more you know material but also realizing like things happen and maybe just maybe i'm the comic that i want to talk about things that you know make them make people uncomfortable in a rural area like iowa but have the integrity and confidence to do so so yeah, no, that's a very good answer. I like that. Those are two, those are two big growth moments, but having kids, so I had kids young, so I don't really know. I mean, I had a kid at 18 and my second at 19. <clears throat> so I never really had experience as an adult without being a parent, but I was definitely Ooh. not, I didn't mature like uh, their mother, <laughs> my ex-wife did. She matured quickly and took the role on as a parent. I didn't right. really much, but as I got older and I appreciated things more, yeah, they definitely changed. And I, and I'm the type, and I mean, I, you as well. I talk about family on stage. I talk about my kids. Uh, I talk about stepkids, stuff like that. Yeah. But what you're uh, uh, a little more on what you were saying about like being the comedian in the rural, mostly white area, talking about this stuff is actually kind of similar to when I do shows here and I'm talking about race from like a white dude's perspective. But it's like a perspective of somebody who, and I, not that I, I feel like I understand it a lot more or not understand it's weird to say like I grew up with black people and well, I guess we're going here I didn't really plan on it. with my initials <laughs> being it's and I'm still, guaranteeing I it's still my mom's favorite me. joke <laughs> you know like when when you when you're like a, a comedian spouse or mom or dad and you go to certain shows and you see other comedians then comedians start to have like hey that's that guy with that one joke or that yeah. that girl that does that one bit, and yeah, the the your initials is a is a is a funny bit, and you you pull it off so well. But my mother loves the loves that joke. Yeah. So if you don't know, and I'm guaranteeing to never win another roast battle uh, with this. <laughs> don't tell. Don't I've, tell. Keep it a secret. <laughs> okay. All right. Fuck it. You, 
I'm just look at my name for a little bit. You'll figure it out. But <laughs> no, I actually, I actually was doing a show in Richmond a few months ago and it was, it was like all the black comics. I was the only white comic. So when I went up there, I knew it was going to be an all black room. Cause they told me before I got there and I was like, yeah, it's cool. So I was like, I think I'm just going to go do every race joke I've ever written just cause it was, it was in my head. I bro, I did. <laughs> it's like 20 minutes of just race jokes to just black folk so when i got done the dude when i got off stage he was like man he's like Corey, i hope your middle name's not like kevin or something like that and i was like <laughs> i was like it's not kevin but it is what you don't want it to be right now and they were so they were so cool they were yeah. so cool they were like asking me questions they were like this is so interesting to me you know what i mean but yeah. i've had because of those initials, my entire life, I've had nonstop racial discussions with black people about mm. my initials. And, and I, let me point out that not a single black person has ever been mad at me or angrily questioned my initials, mostly because they kind of already knew me before they found out. But it was never like an angry thing. White women, on the other hand, have gotten angry at me a few times, and I do not know why. <laughs> There. I've Sometimes. been called disgusting, and I was told that my parents are disgusting, sick bastards one time, which is kind of wow. true. Wow. Yeah, but it's like well, fucked that, up right off the bat. That sometimes white women can, can be the worst. Sometimes. Um, <laughs> I, I want to say something that you, you were saying. Um, I think you, you've worked with him, Mike Malone, Michael Malone, uh, from the comedy spot. That doesn't sound familiar at all. Okay. So, Michael Malone. I mean, is, I remember is, the comedy spot. I don't remember Michael Malone. He was he was my first favorite headliner that I'd ever worked with. And he's probably a little, maybe a year or two older than us. And uh, he's one of those guys that I like to watch because he's he's doing some fantastic things and he's at a level that you know I love to I love to be at. And he just recorded a comedy special in front of 18 people. And he had this, you know, post about don't be afraid to do your art. If you don't need to sell out a theater to put out, you know, your, your, your work. And that really resonated to me. And then he was on a podcast with uh, Brad Garrett. Is that, is that the guy from everybody Raymond? loves Raymond? Every, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 He has a comedy club in Vegas as well. Brad Garrett's yeah. comedy club, he's, I believe. Uh, he, I, I don't know if he was, if Mike was on his podcast or po he was on his, but they were talking about comedy and they was talking about him being in a new place of it, it's something that happens with comedians, especially when you've been doing it for a long time, where it's not just about the laughter. You know, when you're an early yeah. comedian, you just want to make people laugh and you just want to be funny. And he was talking about he's he wants to do more than just make people laugh. And at sometimes in it, almost at the expense of it. I want to connect to the audience. And it just feels like what you were just telling me was, was a great example of just what you're saying is very much connecting to, to the audience. And that's, that's a powerful thing. Yeah. I dude, uh, a good example, like one of the best examples that for me, so for me as a white comedian that does do race. And I don't want it to sound like all my jokes are race related. They're not. It's like, if I'm doing 30 minutes, Depending on the crowd, it might be four minutes, five minutes. You know what I mean? I just don't think I'm just sitting at home writing fucking race jokes. But, but if you need if you need that whole 30, you got it. <laughs> yeah, but I got 30 if I need it. I might have a special. <laughs> but I was doing, I am actually lucky to be in Virginia because we have such great mixed audiences. Like Virginia is a really great melting pot. 
especially with white and black. But I mean, we got we got a lot of Asian people here too. Big military community, so it's good to have. Oh, okay. I, th- I think that uh, the, the demographics of just a, a lot of society, because you know, if if you're like I've written one or two jokes about Asian people, you know what I mean. But I don't say them unless Asians are. I did used to say it in Korea a lot, and it didn't always go very well. But this is last year I was doing a show. It's a Sunday brunch show at the beach in Virginia Beach. It's an awesome show uh, ran by Isaac Fields. Shout out Isaac Fields for producing awesome shows. But I was talking about it and I got done and it was a tale. It was like two older black dudes and like two older black ladies. And he called me over and he shook my hand. He was like, I need to tell you that for you as a white comedian saying those jokes, I felt what you were saying and I appreciate that. And I was like, oh my God, thank God. <laughs> that is so much better than you being angry at me, sir. Yes. Yes. Now there, there, there's a, there's a magic to what we do when we can connect our words and our experiences uh, to, to the crowd. And, you know, it's one of those things you just never know what somebody is going through or been through. And obviously it's a responsibility to make people laugh, but uh, like, like Michael said, and I, I just truly believe if you can connect um, then you're winning. And, and that's, that's why I love the second album of mine so much because it's so crazy and sporadic and all over the place. And if you didn't catch it, it's a combination of the first show that I did and the late show. And I just mashed them together as one album, but there are some beautiful moments that, that I say, and some were planned, but some weren't that I think were really important and needed to be said. And I, and I hope some of those, you know, tracks really connect uh, to people with what I was saying. I respect that. And I love that. And I will say, I don't use this word, but I am looking for a horrible segue. I think your album was fire, man. And speaking, <laughs> of fire, and speaking of fire, white people are responsible for 70.8% of the arsons of arson in the country. <laughs> Jesus. Black people, you got to step, got to step our game up. Okay? Yeah, man. Stop, stop smoking uh, little ports and burn, burn a, you know, dog house. I don't know. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, i love how uh, versatile your last name is with peace talk radio or peace talk podcast peace of mind the only I thing tried. i ever had <laughs> my xbox name used to be cling to my dick and that was it when it got reported <laughs> all right that's the end <laughs> yeah we're wrapping up uh follow him follow me on twitter at Corey cling y'all have a good night uh thank you day we love you i love you i appreciate, appreciate your time you. sir be safe you too man Thank you.